You can't live a life where you're avoiding rejection and failure because you're not living. You cannot achieve something if there's not a risk of you failing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an accomplishment, would it? It would have just been, you know, an average Tuesday where you've done nothing. So for it to be worth anything, there has to be a risk of you failing. Welcome to Finding Flow State, a podcast to inspire you to get out of your own way and get into the driver's seat of your life to find your authentic flow. My name is Steph Ellen. I'm a recovering perfectionist turned transformational life coach. I'm here to empower you to let go of perfectionism and start taking messy action to show up with unapologetic authenticity. Join me each week for raw, unfiltered conversations with inspiring guests, as well as solo pep talks with a little bit of tough love thrown in. I am so excited that you're here. Let's flow. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a hot minute since I've done a solo episode. And even this one necessarily didn't happen almost because I've got a little bit of a husky voice. So apologies if it sounds a little raspy. I don't know, maybe you like that. (laughs) My partner is really sick and I've managed to avoid being too unwell. To be honest, I actually feel pretty great. But... I've definitely got this like little tickle in my throat. And so we're just, you know, knocking on wood, fingers crossed that that's all it's going to be. I'm feeling especially good this afternoon, actually, as well, because I just set up something that had arrived that I've been really looking forward to. And that is my own little portable ice bath in the townhouse uh, that we live in. that I bought last year. We haven't got that much outside space. Like it's a gorgeous little place, but we don't have that much outside space. So I was procrastinating getting the ice bath because we don't have a great setup for it, but it's happened. It's here. Did my first one today and (laughs) oh my God, it's amazing how much more challenging it is when it's just you. Because when I've done it before, it's always been with other people. And I've done it a few times now. But when there's no one there and it's just you, it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, no one knows. You said you'd do it for three minutes, but it's two minutes 40. But anyway, I did it and felt great. I'm setting myself the challenge of doing it for, I'm saying three times a week because I expect it will probably be more, but if you know me, if you know follow anything that I say, like I do have this this general rule to really aim high, 100%, like dream big, but set goals that you're actually going to accomplish because it's so much about self-trust. Like I have this goal to do it 3 times a week. If I do it 5 times a week, amazing. If I do it every day, But I'm not going to tell myself I'm going to do it seven days a week because then as soon as I miss one day, I've already failed. 
And when I originally sat down to sort of plan this episode, and I don't really plan my episodes, as you can probably tell, but I usually have a bit of an idea of what I'm going to talk about. And initially, I was going to talk a little bit about self-discipline. I've been talking a little bit about it on the stories on Instagram. But something that's becoming really present in the work that I'm doing with clients and in general, in this journey of entrepreneurship that so many people are embracing. This topic keeps coming up again and again, and it's the idea of how to deal with rejection. Because a fear of failure is one thing, but a fear of rejection is slightly different. There's something about rejection, and maybe it's because they're to be rejected by someone there has to be like another party involved and it goes, it really affects that part of us that feels like we need to belong somewhere, that feels like we want to be part of the tribe. And from an evolutionary standpoint, it's most likely where this fear of rejection comes from because if you were rejected from the tribe and you were outcast, then you potentially would not survive. We needed to live in these like tight knit groups. And to be honest, I believe we need to now. It's just a different, a different kind of tribe. So it really taps into that survival instinct. There are studies that show when you put people through a functional MRI machine and tell them to recall a period of rejection, a a time where they were rejected. It activates the same parts of the brain that are activated when they're experiencing physical pain. And I'm sure even as I'm saying this, you can think of a time where you felt rejected and it felt so visceral, like so physical in your body and painful. And so it's natural, of course, that we want to avoid that. We are, of course, wired to avoid pain. We're wired to avoid discomfort, especially when rejection, it feels so personal as well. I think that's one of the differences with this sort of more generalized fear of failure is this personal aspect to it. And speaking about that, so often rejection isn't actually personal, but we think it is. And it's our perception of the personal nature of it that makes it so painful. It's actually the stories that we attach to the rejection that makes it so painful. Because being rejected in that moment, of course, that hurts. But the thing is, is we end up creating stories attached to it. Our inner critic gets really noisy and starts to find reasons. It starts to try to make sense of why you were rejected, and usually not in a very favorable way. Usually it's starting to tell you things like, you know, for example, say you were rejected, let's think of a simple one, on a date. You message them afterwards, and you just got ghosted. That in itself being ghosted as well adds a whole other dimension because it's this unknown. It's this no explanation. 
So if your inner critic is already a bit noisy, being ghosted, being rejected in that way, that really opens the floodgates for you to fill in all the gaps of you spoke too much, you talked too much, you talked too much about yourself on the date, looked really unattractive in what you were wearing. Maybe they thought you spoke with your mouth open. Maybe spoke with your mouth open. Maybe they thought you were chewing with your mouth. It's not so much about what actually happened anymore. It's about the stories that you attach to it. It's the, oh, well, I'm such a loser. No one's ever going to want to date me. Or so-and-so rejected me this week. Next week, there's not even any point going on another date because I'm just going to get rejected again. You don't want to put yourself through that discomfort. And that's when the fear of rejection becomes really a form of self-sabotage because you're not even then putting yourself into the positions, into the situations where you could actually get what you want. You're already self-rejecting by not even showing up in the first place. And so it has that similarity with the fear of failure, but it is slightly different. But the truth is, the only way to ensure that you'll never get rejected or that you'll never fail is to never put yourself there in the first place. There's a quote that has been living rent-free in my brain for a little while now. And it's actually, it's a quote from a man named Lazarus Lake, which is a pretty cool name in itself. And he, he might even be the founder or he's involved very heavily, at least in the Barclay Marathons. And if you haven't heard of the Barclay Marathons, just let me set the scene for you now. The Barclay Marathons are a, like, it's known as the world's toughest race. There's a really cool documentary on it. And it's a hundred mile race. And there's a lot of hundred mile races. And already you might be like, that sounds horrendous. Wait, like you have to, this is like multiple laps of this like unmarked course. It takes like 60 hours, really grueling conditions. Only 18 people have ever finished it. That's how hard it is. And it's been going for like decades. But the quote that he says is, you can't accomplish anything without the reasonable possibility of failure. And that quote has really stayed with me for a long time. Even before I was necessarily consciously into personal development, I was into running. And that quote, it's just stayed with me. What he says is it has to be a real challenge. And that's so true for rejection as well. It's, you can never be, you can't live a life where you're avoiding rejection and failure because you're not living. You cannot achieve something if there's not a risk of you failing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an accomplishment, would it? It would have just been, you know, an average Tuesday where you've done nothing. So for it to be worth anything, there has to be a risk of you failing. And if you're never being rejected and you're never failing, I can almost guarantee that you are not reaching your potential. I can guarantee 
that you are not living your life to the fullest. You are not taking the opportunities that are presented to you. Perhaps you're not even noticing these opportunities. So how do we get better at dealing with this rejection or dealing with this risk of rejection? Well, there's that acceptance piece that rejection is inevitable if you're living a full life. There's the acceptance that your feelings are also completely valid. It is painful. It's an evolutionary response. It's an evolutionary trait of humans to feel pain when we are rejected. But now that you know that it's unavoidable, it's about building resilience to that. And one of the best things that you can do is to actually seek out rejections. Get rejected more. And immediately you might like, I don't know, your toes might be crunching. You might be <laughs> just squirming a bit in your seat or on, on your walk listening to this. And if that is you, then this is your challenge for the week. How can you get rejected? How can you put yourself in places where the likely answer is going to be no? And I'm not talking, you know, go and do the scariest thing that you can possibly think of flooding yourself. That's not how we do this. It's slowly stretching your capability. It's widening your window of tolerance, getting your nervous system used to how it feels. It's not expecting rejection. I just want to make that clear as well. You're not going out there with this defeatist attitude of, oh, I'm going to get rejected. Because again, that's the perspective. That's the personal story you're attaching to it. That is getting away from the rejection itself and getting too caught up with the story that you've attached. You're making it mean more than it does. Because whilst, rece whilst rejection often feels personal, it usually isn't. How often have you rejected people? How often have you said no to someone and it genuinely wasn't anything to do with them? It was not the right time. There was something else going on. It wasn't the right circumstance. You weren't fully engaged. It's not you, it's me, all of that stuff. Sometimes there's a personal element to it, but not always. It's the story that we create in our head that makes it so much worse. So whilst you're out there collecting these rejections, that's where you start changing the way that you speak to yourself about it. The more you realize that you are so resilient and more than resilient, you are anti-fragile, you get stronger in the face of adversity. That's what humans do. That's why we're just, we're incredible. We have that capacity to not only bounce back from something, but to actually come back stronger. That's the concept of anti-fragility. But the only way that you're going to become anti-fragile is to actually put yourself in positions to challenge that. It's like when you go to the gym and you're building muscle. The way that you build muscle is actually to tear it a little bit. You're going there and you're causing these micro tears in your muscle. And yes, it can feel uncomfortable, but over time, 
you're going to actually build that muscle stronger. That muscle is going to grow. You're going to see results. And very soon you'll be able to pick up things that you wouldn't have dreamed of being able to do a few weeks ago, months ago, years ago. But going back to that same analogy, it's also, you know, don't go up and try and bench press like 100 kilos when you can't even do a push-up. If you do that, you're going to injure yourself and you're never going to step foot in the gym again. So it's that progressive overload. It's building your strength up slowly over time, getting used to it, making it a habit. And then going to the gym used to be something that you had to drag yourself out of bed for. And now you're like chomping at the bit to go because you're so excited. And one day your relationship to rejection can be like that. You might be skeptical, but I promise you it can. Because the more no's that you get, and there's so many people that actually recommend collecting your no's. I've started doing this since launching my business. Now I have a folder of you know, rejections in inverted commas, because sometimes it's just people ghosting you. Sometimes it's people they forget. Sometimes it's something else. Because realizing that for me to put myself out there, to put my opinions out there, to put my services, my business, myself out there, there's going to be people that don't like it. There's going to be people that do like it and actually want to work with me but they have their own stuff to work through to even get through the door, especially as I work with people who self-sabotage. So getting used to rejection in that case has been huge because everyone is on their own journey. And it's about being so grounded in what you offer that the no's become like water off a duck's back. It's this deep knowing and trust that what is meant for you will not pass you by. Rejection is just redirection after all. I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but if you haven't or you need the reminder, here it is now. It is just redirection. It's a detour to what is actually meant for you. And when you get to what is meant for you, you've built up this incredible resilience from these no's. So it's actually a blessing. And the final piece of this is coming back to those stories. It's managing your inner critic. Because like I said at the start, so much rejection, so much of the pain of rejection is not the rejection itself. It's the fact that we allow us to replay it over again. We create stories. We do all of this. Michael Singer, the author of The Untethered Soul, and the surrender experiment. He speaks about a story. I believe it's him. And it's along the lines of, you know, if you go to a restaurant and you have a bad meal, you know, you have a bad meal and that's, you're not going to take that meal home in a doggy bag and have pieces of that meal every night ongoing. And that's what we do with bad experiences in life. The experience happens and then we're like, I'm just going to have a little bit more of it. I'm just going to replay that again in my mind. Why? And those are neural pathways that you've trained yourself to do. You've trained yourself to see the negatives and to then replay them. 
And it's this snowball effect. It's building this momentum. It's one rejection leads to a self-criticism. You start thinking about other times that you've been rejected. You start thinking about other failures. You start worrying about future times that you're going to be rejected. It's not even about what it started with. We're creating our own misery. And that's not to shame you. It's not to shame you at all. This is about self-awareness and self-compassion and curiosity. All of these things that I preach about all the time. And things that I have to work with myself every day. I had decades and decades of programming of negative self-talk. Of an absolutely crippling level of anxiety. Workaholism, disordered eating, exercise addiction. So many things fueled by this horrendous inner critic. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Because there is actually freedom available from it. And it's not a case of smothering that inner critic and silencing her and burying her down, putting your head in the sand. It's understanding what that part of you needs. It's turning towards it. Connecting to that part of you, where it comes from, whose voice is that? When did you first feel like that? Reprogramming that at the deepest subconscious level. And that is actually why I have a new course coming out that I have just launched called Inner Critic Tamer. And this is exactly the sort of thing that we're going into. We're figuring out where that voice comes from, asking it what it needs, reprogramming your subconscious mind through hypnosis. We're going to have also some live Q&As. There's going to be pre-recorded modules, a Facebook group as well. It's going to be a tight-knit group of like-minded individuals who really want to connect with themselves with so much more compassion, not let that inner critic stop you from doing what you're here to do. Because our inner critic runs the show so much of the time. How many times did you want to do something? And then there's this little voice in your head that tells you you're going to be bad at it. It tells you that you're no good at that, that you should try something else. Maybe it's even more insidious than that. Maybe it's downright mean. (laughs) It's going to be different for each and every one of you. But I know there is so much freedom available if you choose to dive into this work. So this course, like I said, is a four-week course. We'll be starting in early October. So the doors are currently open. Currently, the investment is 333 Australian dollars. It will be going up to 555. And for this week, so the podcast will be going live. Let me just do the maths on this. The podcast will be going live on the 11th. So for this week until the 18th, anyone who signs up, will get a free one-on-one coaching call included. So that's a 60-minute one-to-one call. There can be a coaching call or it can be a subconscious healing call to actually get into those beliefs and reprogram them. So if that's calling your name, 
if you're intrigued, if you're like, I am ready to stop that little voice impacting my day-to-day life, stopping me from living to my fullest potential, then message me on Instagram with the words inner critic. I'll put the link in the show notes as well for anyone who wants to sign up. I can't wait to see you guys inside. And on that note, we'll be back next week with another interview. It's been nice to get back on the mic. I haven't done it for a while. It feels like a long time. So I hope you're having a beautiful week wherever in the world that you are. And I will catch you next time on Finding Flow State. Finding Flow State, the podcast, respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.